0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. I must apologize that we've been away for a few weeks. It's summer holidays, and uh, Phoenix in particular has been traveling around the world. So, But uh, thankfully, we're back from the holidays, so we can get back to the business of Nigerian politics. So today, we'll be discussing three topics. First of all, we'll discuss the appointment of ministers and the drama surrounding the allocations of portfolios. Secondly, we'll discuss the recent accounts released by the Central Bank of Nigeria. And thirdly, we'll discuss reports that the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics has announced that Nigeria's unemployment rate has fallen to 4%. So, Phoenix, to the, would you care to explain to the listeners where you've been these past few weeks? And then for, and after, after you've done your explain to the listeners, we can then discuss Bola ministers. I think the last time we were here, he had not allocated portfolios and he wasn't quite clear if we'd got the full list. But now we have them, and then there's been all kinds of uh, interesting drama around the appointments. So, first of all, so can you can you talk us through your... Overall feelings of the ministerial appointments. Do you think they've put round pegs in round holes, as they say? So, what do you, Phoenix?
1: Hi, Michael. <laughs> well, this is what you are putting everything on me. We we all know that it was Michael that disappeared for uh, a couple of weeks at the beginning, and then, of course, uh, <laughs> it is the summer and everyone is taking holidays, um, and so yeah, I've been uh, I've been out of circulation for couple of weeks. but glad to be back. Hello, listeners. Um, I mean, I've seen all, all the dragging and everything, and so we had to make sure that we put something out this week. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, guys, for for always listening to us and for always pushing us and reprimanding us when you don't hear from us. Uh, to the ministerial list, um, of course, when we first saw the list, we talked about the fact that it was um, very much an, an underwhelming list. No, not unexpected as 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 far as I'm concerned um I don't I, I mean by now most people must must be aware that I I don't expect much um and so when I saw the list I wasn't impressed and then to see all of the controversy that we've seen since first of all, I mean they they were sworn they were um how would I put it first of all uh, they were confirmed by the Senate. We had, I think, three names. Uh, the most uh, uh, obvious one that was denied uh, is Nasser Rufai, which probably is one, one thing that the Senate got right. I, I give them marks for that, even if we still ended up with the largest list of confirmed ministers that we've had since the return to democracy in 99. Um, Under a situation where, of course, we're all looking for a leaner, smaller government, more effective, more efficient we see this bloated list. And of course, the characters on it. But now you see the portfolios that they've been assigned. And then we begin to hear, hear of drama left, right, and center. Um, there's the very obvious one that <clears throat> that even as I try to unlook, it, it, this this one just drives me nuts. It's it's having Atiku Bagudu not only as a minister but budget minister, and I'm sure Michael will have questions around that. But then, of course, we've seen we've seen drama. We see the drama around uh, the uh, what's it called? One of the ministers who apparently is actually a <laughs> is supposed to be serving her NYSC. Now the, the story is a bit mixed because apparently they said she was called up was it 2011 or something or 2000? I can't remember. And absconded. And so, as far as the NYSC is concerned, she hasn't completed. High um, NYC and lo and behold, you see this person being appointed as a minister of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. So a lot to discuss, uh, but it's quite clear that this, this administration, this person that has won the presidency, Bola Tsunubu, was is definitely ill-prepared. I would, I would say he's even less prepared than Buhari was, even though Buhari took six months to appoint his ministers. This dude seems not to have a clue what he's doing, and and it's it's quite hilarious, given all of the things that his supporters were telling us about the the ability and preparedness for the job.
0: Well, thank you, Phoenix. So let us let, take them step by step, because as you said, there's there's a lot of things to discuss about the appointment of these ministers. So let's start with Nasir El Rafai. I'm trying to understand what happened. So, the Nigerian government said they were screening ministers before they would nominate them they'd nominated everybody he would attended his screening where he was told to bow or bow and go as they call it all of a sudden they claim that a security report is the reason why they cannot um, confirm him as a minister they did the government not have this report before they decided to to nominate him, or or, or is is there more to this story than this so called security report? Because when you think about it, like you said, Atiku Bagudu, with his connections to the or uh, uh, his his participation in the uh, Abacha looting, did no reports uh, flag his behaviour? Nieson Wike, who participated in rigging of elections, did was there no reports concerning him? How how did Orifai's reports become the one that uh, become the issue. So, uh, as they were saying in the Bible, who, whose report do we believe, Phoenix? is what,
1: what is really happening? I mean, as with everything in Nigerian political circles, Michael, there's always more to to it than meets the eye. There's always um, a lot behind the scenes. Um We all know even from the moment of the during the election pr- uh, period and campaigning we, we all saw how uh, Tinumbu was you know practically tell he had practically confirmed then that he wanted to in his government had told him that when he leaves office as governor he should not disappear or go away but he has you know he went to Chatham House called on a to answer questions so it was very clear that Eruvi El, El was an important surrogate of tunumbus and so when he nominated him as a as a ministerial nominee, it was not surprising that he went through the whole process. But we do also remember that all of a sudden, Eruvi started, you know, dropping messages about, oh, he doesn't think that since he's been a minister twenty years ago at forty something, and now that he's sixty something, he shouldn't be a minister. You know, started uh, dropping hints you know, let's not forget he's not the most, uh, he's one of the least like um, I mean political figures in Nigeria and maybe he was getting wind of the fact that, you know, his his, uh, nomination is not very popular and and was also trying to find a way out of it. And then he goes through this whole process, submits himself for screen, as you you rightfully said, and then next thing we're hearing about security claims. Makes absolutely no sense. Because if, if, if this is somebody who's just spent two terms as a governor, what new information, and who came up with that new information that made it, I mean, untenable for him to be um to be sworn in what is that security clearance that was being withheld that they did not have uh, a view of before he was nominated and when he went through the entire process so there's clearly um some you know background drama going on um it's it's it just it's it just adds to all the you know how 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 much of a um how much of an inefficient transition it has been. I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, the inability to show up immediately, having seen the challenges that we have in the country and be clear on what type of government and who will be the people in the government that you're going to run. All of this drama that they're serving up is is for their own benefit. It, It does nothing for the Nigerian people. It doesn't move anything forward. Um, and I'm sure at some point we'll hear the full story. We know that Nasir Fai will always find a way to tell his own side. So let's wait and see what he tells us and, and what then comes out at the end. Thank you, Phoenix.
0: Some people have said that it was the likes of the National Security Advisor, Nuhu Ribadu, and the Chief of Staff, uh, Femi Bajabi Amila, who were behind the plot to block El-Rafie for their own reasons i think they they say with with Ribadu it's because they have bad they've had they they've, they've never really been on good terms and they are worried that an El-Rafie would be a disruptive <laughs> disruptive influence on the cabinet's always scheming and plotting and then Femi on the other hand apparently has presidential ambitions and an El-Rafie on in the Cabinet will be an obstacle to that. And apparently the vice president too, Shatima, felt Erufai will be a threat. Do you think there's any
1: merit to these allegations? I mean, there's no smoke without fire. I mean, I can understand the new Ribadu one. I mean, I I, I believe that he and uh, uh, Erufai had some run-ins in the past, if I remember correctly. The Majabia Mila one, I mean, having him having presidential ambitions is strange to me because if this thing is going to be going north-south, I don't understand. Does he not expect Tinubu <laughs> to complete his term? Or how does he expect to... So so that one is strange to me, but that doesn't preclude him from having other reasons for for plotting against him. The Shatima one, for me, rings true. Because Shetima stands the most to gain to have uh, a Rufai less influential. Shetima needs to be the most influential position of Northern Abstraction, in this government. He is number two. He is from the north. He needs to consolidate his 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 base and his importance as the, the de facto next guy. I mean, especially in case um, Tinubu cannot complete his term or cannot go for a second term, Shetima needs to be in place to step into that role. Now, having an Erufi very close to government and you know that if Erufi had been confirmed, he would get one of the more senior positions so that which would be good for his profile he would you know and and he he would continue to be able to you know show up in a way that would put that could put Shetima in the shade Um, and so I, I would not be surprised but the question is how much influence does he have and how and again going back to the point around security clearance that that's not exactly something that Rufai will have taken lying low, right? It, it will have required something very, very hefty for you to tag it as security clearance that you're waiting for, for for this to just have you know flown that way. So I mean, I mean, again, I don't want to speculate. I don't really know. We we do know that there have been issues with Loufai from a security perspective, with all the issues that have happened in Kaduna over time, with the things that he has said himself. Um, you know, be it you know, t- telling everyone that he he gave money to bandits to stop attacking people, you know the threats that he made about you know you know Fulani reprisals and things like that. So there's enough for them to have peace together. Um, it's just a question of on of again back to the point you're making. Why wasn't anybody in the immediate um, kitchen cabinet of Tinumbu aware that these will come up and have not put his name there at all, why was he allowed to go through the process and and then you use something weighty like that because it's not something that you can shake off very easily that 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 sets off antennas it sets off red flags especially in the international comu- community you know it. it so I, I can imagine how uncomfortable it must have made El Rufai feel Um, to be tagged that way.
0: I suppose the question is, what next? Because I remember this scenario has played out before. In 2007, Rafai was expected to become the power minister under Yaradua. And then somehow he wasn't given the position and then Rafai claimed it's because he was going abroad to study. That's why he doesn't want to be a minister. And then a few months after claiming to be abroad studying. He began to write devastating essays attacking President Yaradua. Uh, something similar seems to be happening now. Once again, Erufai was expected to be Minister for Power. He then suddenly doesn't get the job, and his own excuse is, is because he's going abroad to study. And the speculation is that he's going to be the focal point or the, the yes, or the, the the point man for attacks against the Tiniwa administration. But do you, do you expect him to do that again? Or do you think he's going to be, uh, he's going to lie low?
1: I would be surprised if he doesn't. Like I said before, I expect him to speak, especially because of the reason, reason that they use. He's not going to, accept, to simply accept and walk away unless... There has been a, a deal was caught and and this was really part of the plan. Um, I I expect him if he, if he's embittered and not happy about it, I do expect that he will he will train his uh, his, uh, his his uh, his target. He will set his target on on this government and come up with things if he's not uh, in a good place with what what how this has played out.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how things evolve. Now, the other issue is this Nigerian Youth Service Scheme, the NYSC. Why? There always seems to be, it seems on the Buhari, right from the time the APC came in on the Buhari, it has suddenly become a controversial uh, issue. So, Hanatu Musawa, who was announced as Minister for Culture, I believe. It's alleged that there's some con- that she hasn't performed the NYC. So I'm trying to understand because, the according to newspaper reports, the NYC themselves have issued a statement saying, "Yes, she's still doing her youth service now, and she shouldn't be a minister whilst doing the youth service." Now, reports claim that she was supposed to be appointed to a position in 2020 by Buhari, but the appointment was rejected because. She apparently had not done her NYSE. Now we're in 2023, and I'm thinking, if you rejected it three years ago for not doing your NYSE, why didn't you just do it then? Why did you wait till now to go back to try to get it done? It's just a nine-month to one-year course. So what's, what's going on, Phoenix? Why, why did she wait for so long? I mean,
1: she obviously thought she would get away with without, without doing it. And make no mistake about it, there, there are loads of people who don't do the NYSE, who are eligible and don't do the NYSE. The challenge here is you cannot uh, violate a law and then expect to walk into public office. And that that for me has to be, I mean, the reason for the outrage. She's, the moment you're, I mean, people, <laughs> what always interests me about this discussion, and it also came up when we had the um, the former minister um, I forget her surname now. Kemi uh, Adiosho. Adiosho. Exactly. People were making it as 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 oh, you don't have to do. You don't have to have NYSC for you to be a minister. No, that's not the point. No one because the, the constitution clearly says that. Anyone who is eligible to be a House of Reps member can be a minister. And we know that to be a House of Reps member, you don't even need to go to university. So that, that's that that's not the point. The point is that the NYSE Act of itself has what has the requirements for you for, for you to um, go through the NYSE process. It speaks to eligibility. So once you are eligible, you must submit yourself to the NYSC. Um Process now. If you don't do it, you can hide under the <laughs> radar. But you have to realize that you have committed an offense that carries uh, requisite punishment. You can be convicted and sentenced to prison. So, in of itself, you know, you not submitting to NYC it means that you 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 can be convicted and uh, and all that. So, if we're saying that somebody has violated a law of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, how can we then say that that same person? And can go into public office, so it is not about what is the what is the eligibility rules for you to go into public office it is about what what have you done how have you violated the 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 NYSC act and so when I come back to this current case of this woman who was called up at some point in time, did not complete it is now going through the process now you cannot be you cannot be a, a, a undergoing the the youth service program and at the same time be appointed as a minister. You cannot it, it, essentially what it means is that you are holding two um, two appointments at the same time because at the, at the point in time that you are supposed to be you know completing your service to your fatherland, you are also taking up an, a different appointment. Now, some people are trying to muddy the waters and say, oh, you can be can also be a appointment. Hell, no! It cannot be an appointment. Nobody gets. You know, nobody gets to go serve their youth service as minister of the Federal Republic. So, I mean, but the, 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 again, it brings me back to the point of how are these things escaping these guys who said they were prepared to go and govern? How is it that you you know after making us wait for this forty eight list, forty eight person list of ministers? How come you didn't vet them and know all these issues? And make sure that you put your best feet forward. It's it's just it's crazy. I I don't understand how at this level. I mean, this kind of incompetence it can, can even rear its head. It's it just blows my mind. There's no there's no other way beyond that. She needs to be that appointment needs to be rescinded, and she needs to go and complete her NYC. Because if she doesn't complete her NYC, it means that she's absconded the NYC. The NYC Act. Has the has the punishment for you absconding from NYSE. It's crazy.
0: Well, thank you. There's the perhaps maybe in the next few days we'll get some clarity because i I'm, I'm sure like most of the listeners, a lot of people are baffled as to what is going on. But you also have the issue of the likes of the minister for what they call the blue economy. I'm still not quite sure what that means. <laughs> who, that's a go- former governor, Yetola, who was initially announced as the minister for transport. And Mr. I think his name was Tunde Adeujuk, who was supposed to be initially the minister for blue economy. And suddenly at the last minute, a reshuffle was announced. And I think somebody else was moved. And the question people are asking is, this seems to be the first time we've had a ministerial reshuffle, even before. Ooh, one exactly. So,
1: why is this happening? Why, I, 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 for the life of me, I have no idea. Because you, you, first of all, Uitola, we were told was not on the list. I mean, for obvious reasons, he's related to Tinobu. I mean, um, you know, we were told that because um, I mean, to avoid nepotism and all of that. He wasn't on the list. Then all of a sudden, we saw the supplementary list, and his name popped up on the list. And then, you know, we were told that this was going to be the portfolio on the day, or maybe the day before they were to be sworn in. The portfolios got switched, and you're like, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Seriously, um, Michael? I, I, I just, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's just." I I don't understand how else to analyze what we've seen, and you know at some point even I have gotten to the point where I'm like I I really do hope that these guys, you know, find their feet and 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 have some people who are able to join them and and at least give them at least until we see what the court proceedings are because people like me are hoping that the courts do the right thing and and um, you know remove this guy from from office and so that we can have um, you know the rightful winner you know put in office but even before that happens you know you have, we have to hope that these guys who are just clowning about do not really mock things up so badly that that even reversing it is going to take a generation for us to come back from because you know the, the way they're operating the way the, this kind of switch last minute this it just, you just comes back to where is the thoughtfulness? This is not, this is not child's play. This is, this is a, a government that is supposed to serve a nation of two hundred million people. And at at any time, maybe you know, if things were fantastic, one could maybe say, I mean, they'll, I mean, give them time; they'll they'll figure it out. But we know that we're in the middle of a crisis. We, we've seen, you know, the, the economic issues that are be, be, you know, bedeviling the nation. We've seen the insecurity. We've seen we cannot afford to have people who, are, who clearly don't know what they're doing, you know, in the in the in the seat of power. And that's what all of this start stop do this no 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 let's unwind that you know we're going to give palliatives no we can't give palliatives because the list is this because this is that it's just non-stop, and it it just has to, (laughs) I mean, we we just need some reprieve at this moment. Thank you, Felix. No, I think, uh,
0: and then finally you have the Bagudu situation. For those who don't remember, I think Bagudu was one of the key players in the Abacha looting machine when General Abacha was head of state of Nigeria in the 90s. He was convicted in, I think, somewhere in Europe. And in fact, a few years ago, about $300 million connected to himself and the Abacha family was returned to Nigeria. And the Nigerian government was, was required to spend that money on developmental projects. So it's a bit surprising that he is now the Minister for Budget and Planning, especially as Nigeria is still... Fighting to recover more of the abacha loot from a variety of countries. So, Felix, what what is so special about Bagudu that Tinubu felt that the only way to, I don't know, compensate him for supporting him was to make him minister for budgets?
1: How does this work? Well, I, I think I mean we've we've had a, a few episodes where we've considered some of these ties to. A that we see popping up um, around Tinubu. I mean, we, we they were. I mean, we all saw this image of Tinubu in Paris with the Shaguris. Um, you know, we know the Shaguris and their investment in the Atlantic in Lagos. You know, it, it's all swirling around. And so when you see, I mean, and recently, um, who was it? I think it was Tinubu's wife uh, who was hailing a bachelor's wife, or they even did something, a honor or something like that. I forget the full story. So again, you're seeing this relationship, which which was not so overt in the past. All of a sudden, you're, you're seeing more and more that actually there are ties. I mean, Tinubu I mean, burnished his credentials as in as a member of Nadeko and and somebody who went into exile. While Abacha was in power, that was where he 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 made his name, and you know said he was he was one of those who fought for democracy to be restored after the June 12, ninety three elections were annulled. And so, of course, it means that you were running away from Abacha, who you said wanted to kill you. How is it that in that today, thirty years later, you are you are in cahoots with Abacha's people? with people who clearly benefited from Abacha and were on, on that side? How is it that you're able to not only be, you know, uh, very chummy with an Atiku Bagudu who everyone knows was Abacha's bagman? And I mean, there are still cases I mean, against him in the US and in other places. How is it that such a person can hold such a prime place in your administration? So I think for me, that's the bigger issue. I mean, perhaps a microscope needs to be, you know, put on on this democratic credentials that Tinubu claimed and all of the stories that were told back then, and and maybe we need to, you know, dig a bit deeper and find out whether this guy is not actually a Manchurian candidate and and where where I mean why why all of a sudden we're seeing all of these relationships and they're coming to the fore. Well, thank you,
0: Phoenix. Hopefully. Time will tell as, as the days go Indeed. by, we'll get more insight into why people are doing what they're, why the, the APC and Tidabo are doing what they're doing. But on to the next topic, which is the Central Bank of Nigeria. After, allegedly after eight years, they finally decided to publish their accounts. So Phoenix, first of all, is this normal that... A country central bank doesn't publish his accounts annually.
1: No, it's not normal. How can it be normal? Any, any I mean, <laughs> of course, it's not normal. Up until the up until that time in 2015, that the accounts were being pub- published. It's not normal. I mean, wh- why would you? I mean, not not, you know, publish your accounts if it's not that you were you were hiding. Um, records of malfeasance and the only people who could hold them accountable were either the executive who they clearly were in cahoots with and the national assembly who clearly did not do their job because they were maybe being taken care of. The The, the breakdown in, in governance in, in corporate governance in Nigeria especially in the public space over the past eight years Is epitomized by by exactly that, by the fact that the central bank and and it wasn't just the accounts that they were not published. There were lots of other records that we stopped seeing. You know, you know, uh, FX inflows. You know, all of all of this data was readily available because it enabled you know analysis and the right rigor for people to understand the economy and what was going on, and particularly particularly for people. External who are looking to do business in Nigeria, you want to see, you know, you you know, the the CBN's report of the economy. You want to see how the CBN, you know, is managing the managing its uh, the monetary, um, the financial services sector and things like that. And and you know, it was just a black black hole during during that period of time. So to to see it being put out now is interesting of course you know that because of the changing of the guard and of course with uh the estuar governor who is being docked you know people are now you know happy to push things out but let's not forget a lot of these people who are still in the cbn were there during that period of time the current the current acting governor was a deputy governor in that office. He did not resign, knowing that for eight years they were not post-publishing results, but now it's it's all perfect to put out the results. So I'm not letting anybody get away from it. There's still a, a a culture of um um bad behavior in the central bank, and I think that there needs to be a complete cleaning of house. Um, but this is absolutely not normal. Well, yes, that's the other issue I was coming to
0: because. Even the Nigerian media seem to be, especially the financial journalists, seem to suddenly be expressing outrage about the fact that the central bank had not published its accounts. But surely, if you're a financial journalist, you must have known that you hadn't seen your central bank's accounts in eight years. Or, or have I missed something?
1: No, you haven't missed anything. But these are people who, um, how would I put it, they're anywhere below this type people in the sense that they they knew i mean they they always know but then they are able to look away um when it when it suits them they've always known that this was not the right way for things to be but they don't speak the Ford Estate has been culpable in, in the in the in the um, in the way the nigerian public space has deteriorated they're, they're culpable there's so many things that they they refuse to report. They don't talk about. They you know or they don't they don't shine the light enough on it and and it's been left. I mean, sometimes we have to be thankful for the advent of social media and Nigerians who actually shine the light on this. Because yes, I mean, if you if you followed you know if few handles um you know, on the Nigerian Twitter space, you'll have heard over the past eight years you know. Talking about the fact that, you know, CBN records, CBN accounts were not being shared, but the financial journalists, the, the 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 proper media, nah, they kept they kept quiet. It's the same thing. You can stretch that to the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics and how, for a long time, we weren't getting uh, reports on labour statistics and things like that. So, it's it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say about the, the, the press, uh, but, but they clearly haven't kept their end of the bargain. Well, I presume, so this is why, despite all
0: the talk about investment and diversifying the economy, this perhaps explains why foreign investment was at an, an all-time low, because I can't imagine myself being a foreign investor, wanting to put money in a country where I can't even get the transparent accounts of the CBN. And this brings me to my next question, which is, apparently, J.P. Morgan also released a report indicating that Nigeria's external reserves were not the 37 billion figure that the CBN had been claiming, that it was closer to 3 billion. Is Is this correct? Can you sort of talk us through what exactly is happening, Phoenix? (laughs)
1: that's that's, that's elicited a lot of interesting debates I mean the the, the report that they came out with was um, what they were trying to show is a net position so what that means is that Nigeria has reserves, I mean sorry let me put it this way, the central bank of Nigeria because I always have to be careful that people understand there's a difference between central bank reserves and Nigeria having reserve. Nigeria having money The the reserves belong to the central bank because what happens is that when Nigeria earns dollars, the dollars get sold to central bank. Central bank provides Naira and and central bank retains the dollars as their reserves primarily to to, um, defend the Naira and keep um, stability and things like that. Now, what J.B. Morgan is saying is that central bank has reserves of X much, but the central bank also has borrowings of XMARCH. So by the time you take what they have in their bank account and the debt that they have and you, and you add them together, their net position, the the remainder is the 3.7 that they were quoting. So in effect, if and this is where it was a bit of a stretch. In effect, what you're saying is that if everybody that Central Bank is owing money calls for their money and Central Bank has to settle that today, they would only have $3.7 billion left. Now, of course, that's that not going to happen because, of course, there are contracts, there are things like that. But it also sends a message about the tenuous position of the, of the central bank reserves in the sense that you have, you, you have that much debt that is almost wiping out your own reserves. It means that you you are not in a very strong position, especially if there is a run if there is a if 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 there is a challenge to to the naira and that's why you see that they have not been able to defend the naira as much as they would they would want to because they simply don't have the firepower for it and so that's that's the situation that 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 paints it also means that because you are that heavily leveraged when you actually go out to try and borrow guess what you're going to be paying high interest rates because people know that you need the money you don't have a strong financial position, so it it does show that the central bank is is not in a in a strong position fin, uh, financially.
0: Well, no, thank you, thank you for for this on the central bank. So, I suppose the the, the question is, what what role did the finance ministry claim this because? If I recall correctly, the finance ministry also has a representation on the board of the central bank. So, is this p- purely and merely a problem, or were
1: others also involved? Well, from uh, I mean, if if we look at it as an overall economic problem, it, it I mean, the central bank is not the sole reason why the economy uh, is in a bad shape. Of course, they overreach themselves. And of course, the the biggest challenge we've had was, you know, the um, FX situation and how they manage it, which is totally on them. Um, The borrowings to the the federal government, because they just kept, you know, keeping the federal government liquid, even though they should not have to the degree that they did. But it, it was also because on the fiscal side, which is the finance minister and the government, they were not doing their job. They were not, they were not. They were not raising enough revenue. They were not, you know, spending wisely. They were not, you know, reshaping public expenditure and things like they should have been doing. So they're all in it together. But when it comes to managing the reserves and managing the the, um, the Naira stability and things like that, that's totally on the central bank. Nobody else owns that function. And so Emifile is his head is on the chopping block. Um, for 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 that, but when we look at the overall economy, in fact, I will hold Wari and, and his many finance ministers that are more, more culpable because that's their job. It's not the same CBN's job to run the economy. The CBN's job is to ma- ma- manage monetary policy, ma- manage the financial services, uh, financial system stability, you know, do that effectively so that you have you know, and then the, the in terms of running the economy, I mean, what kind of economy should we have? What what kind of laws should we have? How should we raise taxes? How should we spend? That's fiscal, and and that's that's where for me the greater issues with the economy lie with uh, with with uh, Buhari and his minister and those that I mean who have now left. Ooh,
0: thank you, Phoenix. Now to the next topic, which is the Nigerian is it National Bureau of Statistics or the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics? They published their recent unemployment figures, and apparently unemployment has fallen to 4.1%. It used to be at a record high of 33%. So I presume, Phoenix, you're going to congratulate the Boratini-Tinubu administration <laughs> for this
1: achievement? them <laughs> for... Criminal tendencies. <laughs> oh, uh, Michael, this is perhaps one of the most ridiculous piece of news I've heard in a long time. I mean, we've all been talking about the fact that number one, they were not measuring, and, and this was under the Buhari administration. We stopped seeing measurement of of labor statistics and unemployment figures because of course they were not happy. They knew that it wasn't in their favor. They had failed miserably. And everyone was expecting the unemployment rate to be in the 40s, uh, 40% plus. Um, and then for us to now hear that they're now telling us that is now 4.1%, and why? Because they've changed methodology. And you know, that whenever you hear we've changed methodology, you we should always be skeptical and rightfully so. And so when we started digging in, I mean, you start seeing things like, oh, we 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 I mean, what they've done is to is to actually change how many hours can be counted for somebody to be deemed employed, <laughs> and they went down as low as one hour per week. It's ridiculous. Who can live on one hour per week of work? And 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 it just tells you that, I mean, you know, rather than try and solve the problem, and 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 it, and it befuddles me to the extent that you're a new administration who's coming some people might even be i'm not willing because i believe it's apc to apc some people might even be willing to cut you some slack and say okay we know you you, we know you're in the same party but we also know that you are not the guys who were running the show before so we'll cut you some slack we'll give you some even i said that that i would i would give some room for you to find your feet but but that means that you should therefore be willing to take bold decisions and accept that yes things are not where they where they should be and and because we we want to set a baseline for how we will go forward we will accept that things are not in the right place but then you see these guys trying to game the system and trying to trying to tell us that you know unemployment is actually four percent and and i'm like how 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 we see the economic we see the economic situation it is not possible for you to have 4% unemployment, and you have had two recessions in the last eight years. It is not possible for you to have 4% in employment and you have the level of savings that we have in Nigeria and you have the level of taxes that we have. I mean, I mean it's crazy. So, so, I mean, it shows me that these guys are not willing to solve the problem, that they don't even want to accept the problem and then be able to, you know, plan, uh, successfully to to put things in the right order
0: yes, because that's the second point I I was going to that's the second issue I was going to ask you about because
1: the Nigeria
0: I know or the Nigerian politics I know was the kind where the Nigerian government would announce devastating news and either just ignore it or blame somebody else or at most they wouldn't even do the they wouldn't even uh, provide the data. So, for example, as you said, Buhari government not even publishing figures. That's the Nigerian government I know. I know the Nigerian government is also capable of announcing the unemployment figures and then just going quiet and saying nothing. I also know a Nigerian government that will then announce that actually unemployment is 50%, but it's all PDP's fault, or it's the it's, fault of exactly. or somebody exactly. <laughs> but this is But uh, this seems to be a new one for me where you literally just recreate your own figures because I suppose the question, which a lot of, number of people have asked is if your unemployment rate is 4%, which puts you in the, I think from the data I saw, puts us in the top 10 of exactly. uh, economies in the world, then why are we even bothering with any kind of governance? It means all is well all in is terms well. of society. So how,
1: how,
0: why is this ABC government operating like this?
1: What, what is the problem? I think there's. I think I, I'm beginning to suspect that this this guys um, are willing to run run the government in a way that they just do not care. They do. They, I think that they they feel confident that they can get away with stuff that they will just do whatever they like, and so be it. Because I, it, it doesn't. It, and maybe it's a function of how they came into power. You know a clearly stolen election, there is illegit- illegitimacy and they've just decided to say, look, we just don't give a damn. This is how it's going to be and we're going to just do whatever we like. So we will create our own reality. We will, we'll, we'll pat ourselves on the back and, and think that everything is hunky-dory because there's no other explanation that I can, I can make for it because really at the end of the day, you clearly do not believe that there's a problem to be solved for if you think that unemployment is 4%. You, you, I mean, where do you go from there? That that's the that's the question. So, what's your policy? You know, um, your policy mindset. Once you've once you've decided that, I mean, our employment is in is in the top five in the world. When we clearly, you know, the eye test, everything tells us that that is not the case. So, I just I just feel like this is. You know, I I I remember pre-election when I was saying that this is the this is like the middle finger, um, uh, ba- uh ticket that this these guys they don't care. You you saw it all the way through during the elect- pre-election how they chose a Muslim Muslim ticket. You know, ignoring the sensibilities of the country. You've seen you've seen people come into office and you, I mean. See the number of ministers, see the amount of money spent renovating, hassle rock, see the issues, you know. So I think Nigerians should just brace themselves that look, they they have in power people who truly are willing to tell them they do not care about Nigerians. They don't care what you think, what you feel. They don't, they don't, they would do whatever they like.
0: It's going to be interesting. So once again, You've refused to congratulate President Bolatinobu for this momentous achievement of bringing inflation down to
1: 4%. Uh, at this rate, I doubt that there will be anything to congratulate him on if he continues at this rate. Well, only time will tell. Time will tell.
0: But uh, I think our time is up. So. First of all, I must thank our listeners again. Thank you for always giving us helpful feedback. Uh, We hope you all had uh, fantastic summer holidays or summer breaks. And also thank you, Phoenix, for taking time out of your luxurious holiday to
1: be on this podcast today. I I wish it was luxurious. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Michael, and thanks, listeners. Uh, Great to be back. Sorry it's an abridged version today, but definitely next week we'll be back. And uh, we look forward to your feedback.
0: Okay. So thank you, everyone. And I wish you a
1: fantastic seven days. Thank you. Bye, everyone.